I would imagine that a fair number of you have seen the latest movie in the Chronicles of Narnia series. How many of you have seen The Voyage of the Dawn Treader? All right. About 3% of the congregation. That's a good number of you since we're packing them in this morning. It's quite good. I would recommend it. Now, for those of you who have more than three children, you may want to wait till it comes to the dollar store, but see it if you can. In case you're not familiar with C.S. Lewis's Chronicles of Narnia, it's a series of children's books about these four children that enter into a magical land. They go through a wardrobe and they find themselves in a magical land of, uh, where animals talk and there are witches and all kinds of magical things that happen in this place called Narnia. Much is chaotic in Narnia, very much like it is in our world as well. The hero of Narnia is a lion known as Aslan. And Aslan, in in the very first book, ends up dying for one of the children as a substitute for one of the children, as you can see easily. He represents Christ, the lion of Judah. He represents Jesus. One of the great features of this series is the interaction Aslan has with the different children, especially with Lucy, who exhibits more faith than any of the other children. She's the youngest, and she exhibits the most faith. Think about this following exchange between Aslan and Lucy when she sees him for the first time in a, in a good while. They kind of go in and out of this, this land. Welcome, child, he said. I can't sound like Liam Neeson, so I'm not even going to try. Aslan, Aslan, said Lucy, you're bigger. That is because you are older, little one, answered he. Not because you are. I am not. But every year you grow, you will find me bigger. I'm not going to ask you, but I am going to guess that many of you made commitments about your life for the coming year over the last few days. Uh, I imagine about half of you have already broken those commitments. Um, It is, after all, the second day of the year. But you're going to read Scripture more. You're going to pray more. You're going to diet. You're going to eat less and exercise more. Wouldn't it be great if our goal for this year would be for Jesus to grow larger in our hearts. Now, if that's going to happen, we're going to need to do some of those things that we've committed to do. We're going to need to spend more time in the Word and in prayer. We're going to need to take advantage of opportunities to share Jesus with people who don't know Him. We're going to need to suffer well if He calls us to suffer. In fact... That may be the quickest way for Jesus to grow larger in our lives is when we suffer, if we submit to Him early in the suffering. Most of the time when I submit to suffering, it's well on down the road. The earlier we submit to Jesus when we suffer, we're brought into this unique fellowship with Him, Philippians Ultimately, Jesus grows larger in our hearts when we believe His Word. So I thought this morning we would begin the year with a passage that magnifies Jesus. John 1, 1 1-18. 
In addition, assuming there is time, I want to take time for you to share how Jesus has grown larger in your life this year. And it may be one of those things we've already talked about. Your time in the Word through, through a period of suffering, even of loss. Or maybe it's as you have gotten really close to your brothers and sisters in a particular home group this year. I've heard several of you talk about how very much home group, community has meant to you this past year. So how has Jesus grown larger in your life? You're going to get the chance to preach as we go on. In addition to the testimonies, we're going to ask the Lord Jesus to grow larger in our hearts as we gather at this table. And we observe communions. Thank goodness this is a pretty simple passage. It doesn't need much explanation. John 1, 1 through 18. Actually, about 11 years ago when we went through the Gospel of John, I spent four weeks talking about John 1, 1 through 18 and really could have spent a whole lot more. Actually, what we're going to do is just focus on verse 1 and then look at the rest uh, very quickly. This section is all about Jesus, about how He is God and how He is the Creator, how we came to the earth and He is the light that lights enlightens every man, how He is the Savior of all who believe in Him. You'll see that as we work our way through this passage, Jesus is magnified. So, in just a moment, we're going to stand and read John 1, 1 through 5. We're going to go back. Take a a close look at verse 1. Then take a a, a sort of a surface look, but we understand the truth of verse 1. Everything else begins to fall into place, and it means more and more. So we'll look at the rest of the passage, just try to read deliberately through it, and then we'll have time for testimony. So if you would, please stand as we read the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Let's pray. We believe this. Lord, we believe these words. And so it's no wonder that we we sing, Oh, come, let us adore Him. Recognize the great humility that was required to leave heaven, and as we heard about in Sarah's song, to come to a stable, not to a throne. We acknowledge your kingdom, Jesus. We acknowledge that it exists in one form now and will exist in another form later. First and foremost, we acknowledge you, Jesus, as our King. And so as we read about you, Father, we pray that the Holy Spirit would open our eyes and that Jesus would grow larger and larger in our hearts. 
It's in his name that we pray. Amen. Thank you and be seated. In the beginning was the word. In the beginning takes us back to Genesis 1.1. Before anything else happened here. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God. And the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him. And without him was not anything made. That was made. We're going to learn in verse 14 that John was using the word word to describe Jesus. The Greek word for our English word, word, the Greek word is logos. And we'll be able to use that word instead of word all the time. God led John to refer to Jesus as the logos for many helpful reasons, a bit of explanation of the word logos would would be helpful to us. Now, logos meant different things to different people. Uh, To the Hebrews, the Jews understood logos to mean God's full self-expression. God fully expressing himself as seen in creation, in revelation. In other words, revealing himself to, to his people through prophets and through the written word. And through the redemption and deliverance of his people from hostile enemies. This use of the word came through very clearly in the Septuagint. The Old Testament translation in the Greek language. Or the the, the Old Testament translated into the Greek language was known as the Septuagint. Now Greeks on the other hand understood logos in, in more of a philosophical sense. To them logos was impersonal. It was nonetheless a force of sorts. It was, a, it was a rational principle by which the universe was governed. John used the word logos to emphasize that Jesus is indeed God himself. The ultimate self-expression of God in the world. world. It's more of a Hebrew thought than a Greek thought, but it incorporates Greek thought. As well. And he's saying that this Lagos, this one to whom I am referring, is the ultimate expression of God, and we have seen him. We have beheld his glory. Now, for those of you who are interested, let's go into the Greek uh, for just a little moment, for just a moment here. The Greek structure of the last phrase in John 1 1 says this Theos en halagos. Some of you are ready to check out, I am certain of that. Literally translated, this phrase says, God was the Word. We would say it in the same way that John ordered it. The Word was God. You see that the Greek word ha, H-O, ha, is the definite article, the. It's in front of the word theos. Excuse me, it's in in, in front of the the word logos, but it is not in front of the word theos. And their contention, the contention of Jehovah's Witnesses, Mormons, would be that since there is no definite article in front of God, that you would automatically supply the indefinite article, which would read, the word was a God. Instead of the word was God God himself, very God. 
just be stating that the word is a God. The rest of this particular passage just goes on to, 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 to render such a, a reading of this verse ridiculous. Clearly, John is saying throughout the whole thing that Jesus is God. But it's expressed in a, in a perfect way. But before we get to that, let's think about this. If John had included an article to say, the word was the God, then he would have been limiting God to one person or to one form. A few years ago when we studied the Trinity, we talked about a heresy. It's similar. It's not exactly what would have been stated if John had said it that way. But there was a heresy in the early church that still exists today that says God exists in three persons but only one at a time because he cannot be three and still be one. Do you remember the name of that heresy? Modalism, that's right. It's a very, very similar idea here. John would have been saying if he had said the God, the Word was the God, he would have been saying he is limited to this one person. Instead, John, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, wrote this way to communicate this truth. In the very beginning, before time as we know it began, Jesus existed. And He existed alongside of God. He was with God. He was with the Father in perfect relationship. In fact, Jesus was God. Is it two persons or one? Yes. That's what John was saying in this very technical way, although the Greek is very, very simple. But it's a profound truth being communicated. How important is this truth? Listen to what C.K. Barrett had to say about John's precise wording here. John intends that the whole of his gospel be read in light of this verse. The deeds and words of Jesus are the deeds and words of God. If this be not true, the book is blasphemous. So then, let's read through the passage. And as we go, let Jesus grow larger in your hearts. In order to get the full impact of what John was saying, I'm going to use Jesus' name in most places where he was referring to Jesus in another way. But not every, not every single place. I'm going to comment very briefly here and there. And when we finish, it's going to be your turn to preach. So be prepared to talk about how Jesus has grown larger in your heart this year. In the beginning was Jesus. And Jesus was with God. And Jesus was God. Jesus was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Jesus. And without Jesus was not anything made that was made. In other words, Jesus was not created. He was the creator. We can't go back far enough to know when he began, because he never did begin. He's always existed along with the Father and the Spirit. In Jesus was life. And the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness. 
And the dark, darkness has not overcome Jesus. There was a man sent from God whose name was John, John the Baptist, not John the Apostle who was writing here. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through Jesus. John was not this light, but came to bear witness about the light who was Jesus. The true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. Jesus was in the world, and the world was made through Jesus. Yet the world did not know Him. The world did not know Jesus. He made the world and the world did not know Him. How ironic. How, how bizarre. It's just like children who have no appreciation whatsoever for all that their parents have sacrificed and done. And we look at that and we say, you're amazing. You are amazing. That you spit in your parents' face who, do, who want you to succeed more than anybody in the world, who love you more than anybody. Now, we don't see what goes on at home, but, you know, as far as we can tell, this is just ingratitude. And yet, we've been created and we deny, we ignore, we reject the Creator. Verse 11, Jesus came to his own, <clears throat> and Jesus' own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive Jesus, who believed in Jesus' name, he gave the right to become children of God. Who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man but of God. And Jesus became flesh and dwelt among us. Now the word dwelt could literally be translated tabernacle. And to be even more specific, you could say that Jesus pitched his tent. He came into the community and he set up his tent. And I'm going to stay here is his point. I'm moving in with you. So God came to the earth. The Word became flesh. The Word who was God became flesh, as Sarah sang about so beautifully a little earlier. Love came down to us. I almost titled this message, Love Came Down, or Love Has Come, Love Remains. Indeed, Jesus remains here. He is at the right hand of the Father, and yet... It is Christ who works through us to live the life that is pleasing to God. And our charge is to let Jesus grow larger in our hearts. And Jesus became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen Jesus' glory. Glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus' glory is nothing less than the glory of the Father. You can see how, especially to the Jewish mind, this is either spectacular truth or spectacular blasphemy. There is no, well, I see sort of what you're saying here. It's one of the things that 
is so difficult in our age because our age wants to say, we'll take a little from here, we'll take a little from there, this little bit of truth, it all works together. All truth is God's truth and we misapply. That is, that is correct, but we misapply that principle and that understanding that all truth is God's truth. Jesus comes and divides the world. You're either all the way with Him or you're all the way away. Now, that doesn't mean you always live like you're always with Him, but you believe or you don't believe. And the glory of Jesus is the glory of God the Father, and He's the only God who is legitimate. Don't we all worship the same God? Well, if we worship Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we do. Otherwise, no. John bore witness about Jesus and cried out, This was he of whom I said, Jesus comes, be- comes after me, but he ranks before me, because Jesus was before me. John the Baptist was born some six months, I believe it was, before Jesus. And yet Jesus existed long before John. And from Jesus' fullness, We have all received grace upon grace. Grace did not stop at salvation. By the grace of Jesus, we continue to receive one blessing after another. And make sure you don't confuse blessing with comfort and ease of life. It's not about bank accounts and all of that stuff. It's about relationship. With God. It's about relationship with Jesus. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Now think about what's being said here. The law came through Moses. Where did Moses get the law? From God. Who is Jesus? God. Jesus gave Moses the law. But grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. In other words, indicating very clearly that the law had its purpose. One of its purposes was to point to Jesus. Other purposes were to show us how sinful we are, how holy God is, and also to keep order. But we can never keep the law fully. Therefore, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God. The only God Jesus is what John is saying, who is at the Father's side. This one, Jesus, has made the Father known. That's a very, very bold statement about the deity of Christ. Now, John makes quite an argument here. John the simplest of the New Testament writers, writers, the, easily the, the the grammar and and uh, sentence structure uh, vocabulary is what I'm trying to say. Grammar and vocabulary uh, of any of the New Testament writers, John was the most simple, and yet this profound truth. This gospel of John, no wonder so many people attack it. 
states clearly Jesus' identity as God. And it states very clearly His call to believe Him or else suffer the consequences. More than any other. And through the Gospel of John, though, we see so many beautiful pictures of a relationship with Jesus. Vine and the branches, shepherd and the sheep, the one who satisfies our thirst, of whom we partake and are filled. And so, as we come into this year with the desire for Jesus to grow larger in our hearts, hopefully that's the case that has happened this year. And let's take a little time and talk about that. Normally, the, the, the Sunday after Thanksgiving, we take time for testimonies. We were not unable to do that this year because of uh, the, the funeral that would be that afternoon. And it was just not the time to do it. We thought about doing it last week, and then, of course, we were snowed out. So this morning, let's take time and share how Jesus has grown larger in your heart and in your life this past year.